0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hi!
2: <laughs> Hi! Shut up! <laughs> I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm Tommy Teebs Pico, and I'm Drea Washington, and we are Screen Scream Queen. Queen,
2: a podcast about scary movies for people not typically depicted in scary movies. Mm, did
1: you say dick pics and scary movies? I'm a genius. I just got to say, oh. like I'm a po- hashtag poet. Yes, I came up with dick pics and scary movies. Oh my god! I also, after watching scary movies, will look up dick pics.
2: Uh, I mean, you're already doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like after like seeing it, I remember looking up uh, Tim both. Curry's dick. Oh, sorry. No.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tim Curry's alleged dick.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, no, but uh, Bill Skarsgård is packing, apparently. Um,
2: I mean, he's like six five. You can tell by the height.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he does such a good job at playing a fucking
2: terrifying weirdo. That face of his, he just knows how to. You He's, know he knows how to make that face. Yeah, you know what I mean. And to I saw make some video with him like doing that mouth shit that he does, and mm-hmm. it, it's
1: it's a lot. It's, he also does. He plays somebody in Castle Rock too. That's like yeah, off the rocker. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. And very terrifying. And then he just goes from terrifying to sexy like that. And I'm like, I'm feeling very conflicted. Yeah, it's very <laughs> conflicted about actually. my genitalia (laughs) Uh, (laughs) before we get too much into the mess tell us what we've got on our scary movie today
2: so today our act one uh it's going to be a have y'all scene with me we're talking about night of the comet uh for our act two we're going to be talking about finales being that it's our season finale can
1: you believe it it feels like we just started a few days ago we
2: just (laughs) (laughs) just breezed on through it (laughs) Act three, um, our final scream queen will be Lupita Nyong'o and Us. I've
1: got a good story about her, too. Oh, I bet. Yes, let's get into the mess.
2: So, have y'all seen Night of the Comet? Mmm, give me an era. It's uh, the 80s, 1984 to be specific. All right, give me a tagline they came they shopped they saved the world
1: all right so i have seen night of the comment and i love it um
0: as you should this movie has everything zombies bangs teenage girls with machine guns mall montages social commentary sort of stop
1: (laughs) um i've been practicing the voiceover from the very beginning can i demonstrate it
2: for you Uh,
0: Go ahead. (laughs) Since before recorded time, it had swung through the universe in an elliptical orbit so large that its very existence remained a secret of time and space. But now, in the last few years of the 20th century, the visitor was returning. The citizens of Earth would get an extra Christmas present this year as their planet orbited through the tail of the comet. Comet. Scientists predicted it would be a light show of stellar proportions, something not seen on the Earth for 65 million years. Indeed, not since the time that the dinosaurs disappeared, virtually overnight. There were a few who saw this as more than just a coincidence, but most didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot, Tommy. Okay.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, So yeah, that sums up the movie. So basically... It, this is 11 days before Christmas. Um, people are coming out for... It's the Night of the Comet. It's a big celebration. They think it's just going to be this light show, spectacular, not realizing this is like the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, So we start off at the El Rey Theater, which used to be a movie a movie theater back in the day. Now it's just a live music venue. Mm. Um,
1: Wait, so this is in L.A.?
2: Yeah, it's all in L.A. All That's in L.A.? All in L.A., okay. yeah. So, uh, so you start with... Regina or Reggie, she's a uh, playing a video game in the theater. She's uh, basically, and so she's in there with also the the guy from Valley Girl. He played Nicolas Cage's uh, his nemesis. Okay, he and he plays the same character, just a shithead boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And this movie, he's just bootlegging movies. He's take he's taking film and like selling it out the back of the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's dealing with that kind of shit, and she stays in and uh, and because she stays in this film projector like booth she's protected from the comet mm-hmm. her sister across town is at a party uh, it's like the whole whole uh, neighborhood's out she's having it out with her stepmother
1: okay so this was one of my favorite sequences in this film basically mom slaps a kid kid slaps the mom mom punches kid there somebody gets punched in the throat well
2: let, let's go back first you're okay. getting excited so <laughs> so her name is doris And you can't, they don't really explain that this is the stepmother, but they don't really clarify. It's like, is this like a sister? Is this a girlfriend? There's just disrespect. There's no respect between these people. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the the girl that approaches her. Her name is Kelly Maroney. She's also in Chopping Mall. Also, she plays the same exact character as a cheerleader in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She's the same cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Um, She catches her stepmother like she calls her a hoe you know like Mm -hmm. if my father was here you know this is what would happen because she's her stepmother's been stepping out on the daddy yeah she's been doing it and blatantly in front of everybody Mm -hmm. no shame Um, and this results in she slaps the mother mother slaps her back she slaps her back Mother punches her. Punches her. I was like, <laughs> "When did this turn into people at
1: the tribal hall? This looks like a tribal meeting because yes. that's how Indians fight. It's mm-hmm. like it starts us on, then somebody gets punched back. Yeah, yes, <laughs> knocks her
2: out over a couch, and then she she's just standing there bewildered, next, sitting next to a TV. <laughs> and what you don't realize is after that happens, uh, she she runs off like in a, you know, in a fit. Thinking like somebody might come after her and she hides in a storage shed somewhere. And that's what protects her from the comet.
1: So like what happens is the comet ends up vaporizing almost everybody. And the thing that the what it doesn't vaporize, it kind of turns into zombies. And you're protected if you're within steel. Yeah. Somehow. Yes. Uh, There. The logic is there are some holes in the logic,
2: but it's so. What I got from this movie, it's a oh, an amalgamation of just every type of. There's so many genres within this one film, and mm-hmm. it could have been a ginormous mess. But from from the voiceover, which you just beautifully reenacted
0: you, for us, thank you.
2: <laughs> from the very get go, like that, you get like the this kitschy vibe from it. Yeah, and then um, I saw a comparison. They compared it to Liquid Sky, and visually, it is so much like Liquid mm. Sky. There is a this really, like, warm, beautiful quality that goes... It's, like, visually, they, somebody, like, really thought about this. Um, some of the most iconic shots of downtown L.A., like, you can't even get shots like this anymore because mm. th- this is when downtown L.A. was... It was basically just, like, a desert town down there, like, mm. straight-up tumbleweeds and shit. Mm. You could never get the shots that they got. It's uh, basically, like, a time capsule for sure. I also think it's really funny... Um, Cause so she's working at the L Ray, and they make it seem like the L Ray's right next to downtown. Mm-hmm. So every time she's driving, it's like she's driving down the street, but L Ray's like <laughs> all the way is where Becky lives. Oh, you gotcha! Know, and, and then.
1: I love that movie logic. Yes. I felt like similar things happened in Fear the Walking Dead, Mm because that one's also set in Los Angeles. And so there are shots at different parts of town. It's like, wait a minute, that's like all the way over there. Stuff happens like that when stuff is in New York, too. Yeah. You just kind of know. I just notice it more because I lived in New York for longer. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, so how did Mama get from Prospect Park to Harlem? You know what I mean? And that's all the nerdy shit that you get to
2: point out. I I love it, though. I do, too. Love it. So basically, okay, so she wakes up uh, the older sister wakes up in the theater the next morning like where the fuck is everybody Mm -hmm. her boyfriend uh, he heads out shitty boyfriend immediately gets clocked in the head (laughs) by a a talking zombie
1: Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. see the rules are different here yeah
2: yeah so he's out which uh, I'm cool with like fuck him and then she has to fight him off Take a motor she
1: does have some skills though she got skills i think I, her daddy taught her
2: which we discover yes you know, uh later on in the mall they just all of a sudden they got gun skills mm-hmm. like i'm like okay, okay they ain't playing and she knows how to ride that motorcycle they know how to do a, a thing or two yeah so th- i mean that in itself like to like, these female leads super fucking empowering they're badass uzis uzis yeah uzis like a motherfucker they yeah. just they just oozy it up and they just in the mall up in a mall like just like
1: having having (laughs) you know going to the dressing room i I fully feel like if an alien came down to earth and was like i want to know what movies were like in the 80s you give them this one
2: yes and because this one sums it all up yeah i would honestly say that it it is a really good uh summation of just what the 80s could offer yeah it's creative it's funny um there's They, you know, they get a little complicated with like the scientist part of it. But even that, you know, it it ties in well enough. So so basically what you find out is like that these scientists always knew the whole time that this was going to happen and they were preparing themselves for it. But they left the ventilation system open in their building. So they all got exposed to whatever this shit was at the comet. So they're all slowly dying. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, they're taking any survivors, uh, people that weren't exposed to it, and they're draining them of their blood to, to keep them going. Okay. And yeah, it's like a whole other. So now it's vampires a little bit. I mean, low key. There's blood. And.
1: <laughs> oh, that dude who plays Hector. Hector, yeah. the guy we meet in the radio station. Robert Beltran. He's He plays, if you if anyone out there is into Star Trek, he plays the native dude Chakotoy yeah. in Star Trek Voyager. I
2: saw that name. I was like, is that native? I was wondering.
1: I don't know if actually if the actor is, but I know no, that he's he portrayed. No, the,
2: the character. His, I think Beltran, that sounds Mexican to me, I'm pretty sure. But he was also in Eating Raul, okay. which is a pretty popular cult film. And the lady, Mary Warnoff, the scientist that tries to save them she was all she's the other lead in that as well okay which is kind of interesting all right um we also we have jeffrey lewis the, the main scientist guy he's from everything mm-hmm. mork and mindy to any kind of science fiction any uh i don't know he's probably in the Godfather. godfathers so yeah. he's in everything
1: i like this confluence of of character actors yeah mm-hmm. yeah these
2: people actually come from like they the secondary characters actually are very well trained and like shakespearean trained or whatever um And I I like that the main two characters, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, her biggest thing besides this was The Last Starfighter. Okay. Um, And then Kelly Maroney, like I said, her biggest two were Fast Times and Chopping Mall. So she was made for this movie. Mm. Like she was perfect for it
1: i do want to see chopping mall it played recently at the alamo and it didn't get tickets in time yeah it
2: sold out like that so
1: maybe you know you know if we get a season two everybody out there we can maybe do a chopping mall definitely do chopping mall but yes i have seen uh, night of the comet and it is amazing i love it it's beautiful and
2: that was another one that sold out at alamo that you know i didn't get a chance to go Mm. see but um basically this movie goes on to um i don't know there's it just holds a certain place in my heart it's Again, it, you don't you don't see female leads like this, uh, and they're smart. They they don't make them like play dumb, you know. And it's not even like like your girl Jennifer Love Hewitt, and, like those gratuitous. Shots. Why are they
1: always my people when it's bad ones? <laughs> like your movie Halloween Resurrection. What are you
2: talking about? I don't, don't do claim them. You. I don't claim them. <laughs> y- your girl,
0: <laughs>
2: like the, the they. That shit was offensive to me, mm-hmm. like the way she was portrayed in that movie. Like they tried to go for this like uh, trashy slasher feel, but it just felt trashy. Mm. Where in these films, like yeah, give the, they're smart women and you know they can be sexy too, but yeah, they don't gotta be you know exposed and yeah they don't have to use their sexuality. It's just you know, not even necessary. It is
1: an interesting genre in the sense that mo- I think proportionally you get more female leads. In horror than in almost any other genre, they
2: have more power. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and it, it's very interesting because it is. I mean, the film industry in general is just very male dominated, but especially like in these kind of things, like uh, comic book world, like mm-hmm. gamer world, mm-hmm. it's very intense, and mm-hmm. there are people are very protective of these things. But I feel like the, the women that have had their opportunities, like they kill it, yeah. and they deserve more roles, and you you would expect to have more characters like this.
1: And so when we get people like, well, we'll be talking about Lupita later at length, Mm -hmm. but like then we get people with serious chops in these roles that just like the material's great and then it got elevated. Yeah. You know?
2: Absolutely. So in all, like tell me, what were you feeling about Night of the Comet? Just all in all. There
1: was like... It, it was grave because it's like a scary movie and the stakes are like really high but it was also really fun mm-hmm. you know and it's one that I could watch over and over and over and over and over yep. um, the the elements that seemed over the top seemed intentional Yeah. you know it seems like very aware of what it was doing mm-hmm. um, I think because it took so many genres within itself it ended up becoming original
2: I completely agree and again that could have been a ginormous mess but it worked out yeah. and congratulations to Night of the Comet so our act two we're talking about finales
1: yes mostly because it's our season finale and it feels like we just got started um i've had so much fun cutting it up in here with you drea um a season height was definitely learning that you got your mom to see ma by telling her uh, that it was a documentary about (laughs) octavia spencer so you're devious we knew that um you know, we're talking about finales. We talk about like I don't know. Um, you know, Jason Goes to Hell or Freddy's Final Nightmare. I always found that, like, the finales also offered something to the origin story of the character. Like, in some way, in ending the franchise, when they thought they were going to end the franchise, it sort of came around to the beginning again. And similarly, like, ending this season, uh, having watched a bunch of movies with you and um, talking about, you know, one of the biggest motivating factors on the planet, which is fear, um, has kind of reaffirmed why I love scary movies. Um, How did you feel about the season, the movies, the murder, the mayhem?
2: I mean, this being my first podcast, Mm -hmm. I, you know, nervous for sure, but... Pretty much as soon as we started talking, I was like, okay, I know exactly what
1: the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it would be a good moment to talk about some finales and talk about how things end. And there were some good ones and some bad ones. Um, There's ones that have to do with narrative and ones that have to do with studios and monies and actors and time. And one of my favorites in recent memory, I think, was Russian Doll. How that ended, I thought, was really good. Um, and it was also kind of in between genres. So part of it was horror. I mean, it was a television show on Netflix, but I felt a part of it was horror, a part of it was comedy. Um, and it was something that just kind of kept getting better and better and better. Um, but, you know, since A Nightmare on Elm Street is my, my shit, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare as a place to start because... At the time that it came out, like, the teen slasher craze of the 80s was kind of on its decline. And so New Line actually held a public funeral for the franchise at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. What? Yeah, and the city of Los Angeles declared the day before the release uh, on September 12, 1991, to be Freddy Krueger Day
2: what the fuck happened to that
1: uh, well I think the controversy of naming a day uh, after a suspected a job lesser, yeah, <laughs> probably <laughs> kind of caught up to them um, but the thing about the, the about Freddy's dead is that it went more into Freddy's origin like showing him as a young man being abused by his classmates and as an older young man being abused by his father played by Alice Cooper I might add um, <laughs> and then on him calling on some dream demons to get back at these kids that he wants to off in their sleep and and the original script, according to um, We Minored in in their 13 Things You Didn't Know About Freddy's Dead, their concept was that Freddy's grown older, weaker, and more decrepit. And since the kids no longer fear him, he's lost his power. And in fact, Elm Street kids now take sleeping pills at slumber parties to team up in their dreams and beat the living crap out of the once feared killer. However, when the father of one of Freddy's tormentors slips into a coma, the power dynamic changes. The comatose father lives in a permanent dream world and can't defend himself thus setting the stage for a throwdown as the son goes back into the dream world to save his father and encounters a revived freddy krueger which sounds like kind of an amazing movie Uh uh-huh and a lot better conceptually in my mind than what freddy zed actually ended up
2: being oh yeah it was a um it was a nightmare a different type of nightmare
1: yeah and because the film did so poorly both in the box office with critics and with fans, what was supposed to be the final nightmare ended up paving the way for the new nightmare, which Mm -hmm. I think is one of, if not the best, uh, movie in the franchise. Yeah, it holds up to this day. Um, But fun fact about Jason Goes to Hell, what was supposed to be the final Friday the 13th, um, was that in his origin story, and this is like kind of affirmed by the director, it was like in there subtly, but apparently Jason's mother... In order to revive him, read from the Book of the Dead, the Necronomicon, which is in the Evil Dead franchise. So basically, it explains Jason as being one of the like dead demon ghoul things that Ash is always fighting in Evil Dead. Which I thought was an interesting twist on the franchise. And um, also, it being the final chapter, he goes to hell. And if you remember in um, Jason Goes to Hell, his leg gets gripped by Freddy. And then you hear like Freddy's laugh, which is supposed to set up the Jason versus Freddy movie that took maybe 12 years to actually come out. Um, but the, this was only one of two times in the Friday, the 13th franchise that it was supposed to be the end. The other one was Friday, the 13th, the final chapter, and it was supposed to be the last one, but that one did so well that of course they tried to revive it and did uh, Jason a new beginning. Yeah, That one was supposed to be the beginning of uh, a trilogy that, where somebody else was the killer, not Jason, but because the new beginning did so poorly, they brought, uh, uh, Jason Voorhees back in Jason lives, which was the next one. So all of these are depending on markets. All of them are depending on, you know, box office, and all that kind of stuff is really dictating the future of these like franchises mm-hmm. and final installments end up becoming not final installments. Um, so Full disclosure, this is going to come out on, on November 5th, but we're recording it the weekend that It too premiered. So Drea and I watched It last night. And if we're talking about final chapters, how did you feel about this movie? This is the final chapter of the It reboot. This is the end. Um, you know, I, I was a jumpy bitch the whole time. <laughs> I mean, what
2: else is new? Um, <clears throat> okay, so anything besides Tim Curry, anything is better than the original t- made-for-TV movie? Mm-hmm. Like. <clears throat> that wasn't shit. Um, th- it's still not perfect. It's they still very flawed movies. Did you lot- like the first one? Uh, the I, reboot, I, yeah, and it, it's 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 fun. Mm-hmm. It's it, for me, it was fun. I like that they they went there more. You know, like I I mean it, that the opening sequence was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, when it. Bit that baby's arm off. Yeah,
1: nobody and you saw see that The coming. whole thing. The thing is, if this was a different era, it would have cut away. Oh yeah, and for you sure. would have maybe seen the blood, but you wouldn't have actually seen the kid with a stump. Yeah, they, and I remember thinking, we live in a post Game of Thrones world. Yeah, because I feel like so much shit happened on that show that, like, I think it paved the way for 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 that little baby getting his arm eaten off.
2: Absolutely, that little. <laughs> when he gets his arm cut up that and i read the book i used to go to the library they wouldn't let me check it out because i was too young i was like <laughs> nine um and i would just go and read like chapters of it or try to and i was just like what the fuck am i reading kind of thing but i remember that scene and mm-hmm. I, they describe it completely and then but, but then you see the movie and yeah there's not. it's not like that whatsoever it's like it's the mouth and then it's gone
1: Yeah, yeah yeah which is
2: terrifying and also it's for tv blah 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 the
1: the original 80s one the original yeah, yeah, yeah. 80s one
2: um but you know the only thing perfect about those movies is Tim Curry. He's perfection in mm. those films. Mm. Now this update, this wrap up, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was fun. It, it, it I think it served its purpose. There's still there's there's certain things that happen in it that uh, certain topics maybe they shouldn't have even touched on. Yeah, let's get into the mess because yeah. <laughs> I, I I did enjoy
1: uh, the sequel to a certain extent, but the gay bashing in the beginning. Nearly took me out. And the girls online are already arguing whether it should have been included in... You know, it was in the book, but there are also so many other things in the book that weren't in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like a deliberate choice.
2: Such a weird way to uh, set the tone.
1: Yeah, and it's like it is a scary movie. It's horror, right? I mean, other things like a girl gets her face be- eaten off. You know what I mean? But like much like the the like we talked about black and indigenous history as being a history of horror, queer history is also a history of horror. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the violence in the film. Uh, is speculative violence done by a demon clown thing with a big mouth that sometimes a spider that sometimes an old lady that sometimes a blah 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 that's like very much fantasy violence and the gay bashing in the beginning was by people by men and it and and that was not that's actual, that's happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not abstract. Um, and they abstract. didn't even go
2: back and fuck those kids up.
1: No, there was no consequences. They're, so so the, these two these two guys are at a carnival and they kiss and then they get confronted by a group of, of, of do-nothing, ne'er-do-wells or whatever, and they get beaten up. One of them is, like, they're both beaten up pretty severely. One of them is, like, then thrown into a river. And as he's thrashing around, it takes him out of the river and then eats him like in front of his lover mm. so just like it it's was a lot it was a lot and it, like i it wasn't that's real violence that's faced by people every day today like yeah. i don't know how i feel about it being used it, it, to sensationalize something
2: yeah i mean again if you're going to talk about that you got to go all the way in with it
1: yeah <clears throat>
2: and if you don't know how to handle that with care then leave
1: it the fuck alone and it, if they don't come back and there it makes no impact on the plot whatsoever and i
2: mean homeboy comes back for that one second to hand bill hater that flyer and yeah. you see his face like oh it when come to like, the thing honey or whatever and yeah. you see him all fucked up and i'm like that's what you, you set him up for that shit
1: i mean what it really made me excited about, though, actually, is that, you know, Shudder is producing a documentary much like horror noir Mm -hmm. that is on the history of queerness in scary movies. Mm -hmm. And so it made me look forward to that.
3: If How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
1: there was one silver lining to be gained from that scene. But um, I I, I saw a thing with the director, and he said that when Stephen King wrote it, he was talking about evil in the human community. Um, He was talking about how dark humans can get in small-town America. And then later on on to say, no matter how evolved we think society is going... Uh, there seems to be a winding back, especially in this day and age, where these old values seem to be emerging from the darkness, and that was kind of his reasoning for having it in the film.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get it is like a reflection of all the ugliness uh, that we put in this world. Like, I get it.
1: I I do too, it's but it needs just to be a balance, and I don't think you know. And also, it's not. It's not. There's one thing it could be to be said if it was written by a queer person, or if the director was a queer person, or you know yeah. what I mean. Or, but like you could tell that the writer's not queer because Mm-mm. first of all, uh, Mama makes a joke about Meg Ryan's hair, and it's like uh, that's so a joke. Outdated. That's a joke that a straight person trying to be. I think like a gay person would make that's yeah. not actually something that a gay person would yeah. write, you know or say um also lots of references to Meg Ryan in this film at one point Bill Hader goes into his old movie theater and there's a poster of you've got, oh, mail. You've got mail
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that too the fuck uh, so moving on from
1: a, a pr- problematic beginning here were some of my notes James McAvoy seems to be having a hard time with his accent. (laughs) Um, All my fears involve global fascism, white supremacy, and the IRS. Um, Killing It is actually perfect for this podcast because it seems to be equal part Native American spirit guide and Magical Negro. (laughs) And this dude wants to go to Florida? Like, dream bigger, my friend. <laughs> oh, I
2: really want to go to Florida. <laughs> uh,
1: memory and trauma. Bill Skarsgård is terrifying and very tall. Um, Kid Eddie and Adult Eddie look exactly the same. They that was such good casting. And, and
2: Stan. They did really good with a lot of those, yeah.
1: Uh, thicky Ricardo got the upgrade. You say Thicky Ricardo? <laughs> Don't remember. Okay, remember in, when Martin called... Uh, uh, who did he called, uh Oh, when Martin called Cole Thickey Ricardo.
0: No. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Again, lots of references to make Ryan. And then in the end, it turns into an egg sunny side up what was that <laughs> oh my god when he turned into a little baby at the end that was my
2: fucking like a wrinkled I old benjamin
1: button stop like
2: laughing slash it was sunny side benjamin up egg benjamin button his little baby hand oh man that shit was fucking you home. could not yes. contain yourself <laughs> You were, I mean, there was some
1: there was some giggling in the theater. You were straight up guffawing.
2: <laughs> that shit was ridiculous. I'm like, how am I supposed to take this shit seriously? That was not fucking scary. No. Like, but I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay. So is Bill Hader gay? Yes, and that was another lazy attempt. They reference it basically. It's like, you want to play more video games with me? And I guess that's him like, because they touch hands for a moment Uh and again they just brush on the topic never come back to it did you was that in the
1: book do you remember
2: Uh, I think yeah I think they they do get into a little bit more there's more there's he's conflicted his character Mm. but they did not yeah they just did a very poor job of getting into these things the other issue in the first film, film was they didn't get into Mike's the, his backstory as much mm-hmm. they, they just avoided it it was just par- his parents died in a fire mm-hmm. they didn't talk about it. it was because of drugs and the racism that existed behi- behind it and they that's c- another thing like this kid
1: is like the only black kid in town yeah and we're supposed to believe that this is just like again like sort of like ma like this is just human cruelty like no
2: yeah. no and one thing that they did it was it was kind of weird and they tried to sum it up but he, he sees an old news report about his parents. Like two crackheads dying of fire. I, I, maybe that was in the book. I don't remember. And then the way they sum it up at the end is, uh, you know, two human beings uh, perishing, <laughs> whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, am I supposed to feel better about it? <laughs> 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 but he seemed like relieved. But it was two crackheads dying of fire. Like what kind of fucking, is, do they even make articles like that? Like, maybe back in the day.
1: I think that was, uh, I think that was it putting an illusion on that thing. i that's what I think. That's what I. That's what I pulled from. But it, from it was anyway. a
2: representation of like what of how things are are summed up or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it was it, but it was all
1: <laughs> anyway. I should crack me up. I thought too, like, you know, for the like the white characters when they were kids, they got like, oh, this one has like germaphobe, and this one, you know, they had like, and they were they had different conflicts. But with the woman, it was like, oh, she's potentially being raped by her dad, and with the black kid, it was like, oh, and all of his family horribly died in a fire, and uh-huh. it was like.
2: And we'll just not really get too into that. Yeah. It's it's a heavy fucking movie. It, it's a heavy story. Yeah. It's not just about a fucking clown.
1: Oh, Beverly's scenes with... They kid Beverly with her dad when he puts the perfume on her. Oh, and, that shit. Oh, that was Creepy. disturbing. Like, there is things done by human beings in this movie that are on par with what it does to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's what Stephen King was trying to go for. But just like sometimes... Like, you know, Beverly as an adult... Finds herself in another abusive relationship, and you know, we're, our introduction to her character is she's still getting hit around, and it's like,
2: I mean, they go, they just jump right into it. Homeboy's like, "Okay, sweetie, you can go on your trip." You Lying you to me, li- yeah, like, you lied it to was
1: me. So the turn <laughs> of that was so, I don't know, I don't want to say, I don't think it was lazy necessarily. It was no. just, it happened real quick.
2: It, it was, it was. Very rushed. I mean, it was impactful, I suppose, but it was rushed. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, again, it's uh, this. This movie has the, the potentiality to just be a really fun, like mainstream kind of movie, but it's really not that. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's where the misfortune in this whole thing is. Like, this film deserves so much more attention, mm-hmm. and it really should be like a four part movie. Mm-hmm. In, in all honesty, right? In, in my, like, it's that involved. Like it being a mini series, it you should it should really be like that. Mm-hmm. Like they should put it on Netflix and like mm-hmm. redo it again because they I,
1: actually have the potential and the audience for that type of story now. Yeah, that didn't maybe exist before.
2: People love this book; they mm-hmm. know it, and they want to hear these stories properly.
1: And it is a big book.
2: It's a big old book. That
1: book is big. I remember being at the um, airport because I travel a lot because I tour a lot, and I I was like looking for a book. I was like, you know, maybe it. Like that's probably going to be like a, a quick read because I didn't. And nope. I look. It was. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is as long as the Bible. <laughs> like this is so fucking long.
2: It's longer than the Bible. It is. <laughs> I had the audio book. I would just kind of go around listening to it. Why did that shit take me like two months to get through? <laughs>
1: Um, I, I find a note on Bill Hader playing gay one of the only times I had to look away was B- when Bill Hader kept vomiting <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> His, the second vomit was very funny when, when he comes and he kills boy and he's like oh I did it oh never mind
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was so good he was
2: fantastic he was great. and you know I mean basically I'm sure in both our books, but Bill's gold since Barry. Like, yeah, I mean since SNL, but since he proved his skeleton acting,
1: twins acting, was great.
2: He proved his acting chops though in Barry. Like, mm-hmm. I, so I'm sold. Mm-hmm. So, and I was like, okay, how's this gonna be? He was fucking hilarious. There was some depth there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I teared up a couple of times when he teared up. I'm mm-hmm. not even going to lie. I was mm-hmm. like, and I try to put it off like I was yawning and shit.
1: <laughs> it's and, fucking allergies. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in this theater. <laughs>
2: um, Someone's but,
1: been cutting onions next to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I... I, yeah, I bought it, uh, and I he deserves, he deserves an Oscar nomination. He, he gets those
1: flowers. He uh, gets the flowers. This is, like, I think the third time he's played gay, because Skeleton Twins, he was gay. Okay. He's famous for Stefan. Stephon And now this, I also liked, I think probably in a lesser, uh, a, a, an actor of, like, a, a lesser quality or craft, there are ways in which he would have played gay gay. Differently than I think Bill Hader played it. Yeah. He, he, he didn't play it. He wasn't flamboyant. He played it very secretively.
2: No, yeah. that's And that's what I. And it was believable because mm-hmm. this is a person who clearly has not dealt with that part of their life. Mm-hmm. And it, But it wasn't like he's so repressed, but then it all makes sense. Like those comments as a child and his feelings, you know. I'm not saying he had to think for Eddie, but there was something there. There was I something.
1: Th- I mean, that was implied, I think. Yeah. But also, uh, there. <sighs> what am i trying to say that like okay so his job is as a stand-up comic yes and he makes them the note that he doesn't write his own material yes because that would involve some kind of intimacy that he cannot have with an audience because he can't reveal himself
2: yes hey look at you hello (laughs)
1: um ultimately i think it was definitely flawed and in ways in which we talked about in ways that like i think it could have definitely been improved upon but also like you can't really how do you contend with people's expectations and material that is so well known and beloved
2: yeah you know yeah there are things that I ultimately things could have been left out I enjoyed myself I you know I was we were both like although we don't show it on the outside we were giddy yeah, Fuck on the inside.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did, if we're talking about finales and we're talking about endings, I will say that the ending was very ridiculous. It was it, a lot. <laughs> I don't, I didn't know in that moment because humor is sewn into it in a, a large part because of Bill Hader's character. Yeah. I didn't know if its death was being played for laughs because it was ridiculous. It was
2: ridiculous. It was
1: absolutely ridiculous, and I don't know how you would have any other reaction than this is fucking funny. Because
2: people had issues with the spider, you know, it com- becoming a spider. Like, it went, it became a spider and then some. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that and thing then was. What? when it, it, it became a Oompa Loompa. It yeah. was a Oompa Loompa. A,
1: a shriveled, deflated Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> I have one one final question because we, we talked a lot about and we do talk a lot on this season about practical effects because a lot of the have y'all scenes end up being in the 80s with a lot of practical effects. And this one, how did you feel about the CGI? Because I did feel at a certain point, I was just like...
2: Certain uh, monsters did not work for me at all. Mm-mm. Took me completely out of the, the mood. The Chinese
1: in, uh, restaurant scene in particular, I think that was just corny.
2: The baby coming out of the egg or the, the fortune cookie, that shit was... Uh, like what
1: yeah it
2: was a what was it? it was like a bird with like a baby a crying baby head on and there it there was like
1: an eyeball and then there was the thing is like they they, they animated everything they animated the 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 um, fortune cookies they animated the table and so it just like the, it, it didn't feel it didn't feel real it was
2: what was coming out of the fortune cookies i think those were there but what was coming out wasn't so that it was like a mix of And anyway, it looked it was fucking stupid. It looks really dumb. It was dumb as fuck. Yeah. Um. Again, anything, anything is a step up from the original movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it did make me miss, especially since because we have
1: been watching so many '80s films for this show. It really made me miss practical effects. Yeah. I mean, you can't get everything, but what you get is a sense of like an an actual object in front of you. And yeah. so if it's like James McAvoy running from computer animation for fucking 40 minutes, I'm like...
2: You're taken mm-hmm. out of it after a while. A little there's, bit, yeah. yeah there's, I got
1: some fatigue.
2: Yeah. The, the the grandma scene, which should have been like way scarier and they played it up in the trailer... When that when she finally comes out of the kitchen, that shit was stupid.
1: Yeah. As like a because she, she, you initially set it up as like so Jessica Chastain goes to her, her childhood home and there's an there's an old lady living there. And at first it's actually creepy because of the way that she's like moving the her body. The whole
2: setup is fantastic. But
1: then once the old lady comes out, she's like transformed so into this like really tall crone monster thing.
2: I was like, what? It didn't. It looks stupid. Like I I didn't. It just was It wasn't scary. Yet
1: the scene right after that when um, uh, Jessica Chess... Beverly was her name in the show or in the in the movie. When Beverly is walking through the interiors of the house and you see Bill Skarsgård without his face done up and he's slowly doing it up and then scratching his face. Yeah, yeah. That, that was scary. W- she
2: leaves and then that. That was wonderful. Yeah. Just, and again, seeing what he does and realizing... He you don't need all that fucking animation his face does all that shit.
1: Yeah, cuz it's a creepy face. Uh-huh. He knows how to creep up that face. Oh, big time. As much as he knows how and to the make makeup that face, done is on very him kissable is... to me. <laughs>
2: uh, hey Bill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> got
2: a fan? You got a fan. He's uh, 65 right? Yeah. That's oh, what I think. Lord.
1: I'll look it up on the internet later, but I'm right yes, because I'm the high whisper. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, his his makeup alone, I mean, that's where just take a note from that shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's so effective. Just the the behind the scenes photos of him just walking around, <laughs> just hanging out in that fucking <laughs> makeup is hilarious and terrifying. Mm. Like I would be so scared to be next to that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I'd be scared to be in that makeup looking at myself.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, he took it. He did it. He did that shit.
2: Yeah. Um. But yeah, if if you're a fan of the franchise, I definitely go see it. It's fun. Yeah, I it's, it's half. I'm happy that this shit even got made. Mm-hmm. You know, it always can be better. Always room for improvement. So that's a yes. That's a, a yes? yeah. Okay. That's a year. Yeah. That's a
1: year. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. All, right. all right. Act three. We survived all yeah. the way to act three. This is our final Scream Queen of the season.
2: Miss Lupita Niango and Us.
1: She plays both Red and Adele um, in this Jordan Peele uh uh supernatural family double drama. Um Full disclosure, I think we already talked about this, but um, Drea and I made a date to see it together, but had secretly seen it by ourselves already a couple of times before <laughs> that, um, which I appreciated because once Drea, at, we, we got out and Drea was like, I actually saw it before and I was like, actually I did too. I love you, bitch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Tommy, so are, you, are you a bigger fan of this one than Get Out? Um, They're
1: just such different movies. I think... I think I think Jordan Peele is starting a very interesting and a very exciting chapter of his filmmaking career.
2: Absolutely. Like
1: I think Jordan Peele is going to be like a like a Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a like a
2: John Carpenter. Like he's just yes. he's creating a whole new lane. Yes. And giving us giving us roles. And he specifically has said this because I'm making movies so I can put the people I want in there.
1: Yeah. And I think that. I think that us is unfavorably um or unfavorably um looked at next to get out or And they
2: shouldn't there not there should be no comparison. Right. right. I mean are
1: unfavor unfair I think it's unfairly compared to us and I think that's because of just like of, of how close they came out together yeah. I think in the future like once we've had some distance mm-hmm. from these two movies I think they're I think us will get more
2: appreciation yeah it's for a true uh, it's for a true film nerd mm-hmm. like us it's for somebody that really appreciates and horror movies scary movies yes. like I got all the when they were
1: talking about oh down at the uh, at the boardwalk they're filming a movie I knew that was Lost, Lost Boys, Boys you know the what I mean the very
2: opening sequence of little girls watching the TV above it is a VHS of Chud Chud yep you know like, I notice all these things.
1: Um, the kid's name is Jason. You know what I mean? Like, she's wearing a thriller T-shirt. Like, there are so many um, homages so to scary movies in this scary movie. It's through
2: and through and through. And, again, like, somebody that really handled that. Like, kind of like Night of the Comet. Like, somebody that really understands mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that era. Somebody that thoroughly appreciated it. So... You know, people, again, like you're saying, they, they, these films need more distance because the people that watch Get Out aren't necessarily the audience for us. Mm. They don't they they went to Get Out and they now they expect him to be the he's, they think every movie he's going to make is going to be some kind of social commentary. Yeah,
1: it was and, like because Get Out was so much more literal, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so much more It was contained. poignant and yeah. it, you know,
2: it came out. It was very, very on topic, you know, um, and this is just him really like showing his true his true self that Mm -hmm. this is him Mm
1: -hmm. and I think I mean the way that I took it was that like it's only a matter of time before America's past catches up to it mm -hmm. I think that's that's what I took away from this movie anyway. And if I was looking for social commentary, I think that's probably where I would find it. Because when Red is like, when Adele is like, who are, Adelaide is like, who are you? And Red is like, we're Americans. Mm-hmm. That, in my mind, and there was like this huge Amer- American project of like Hands Across America. And in that superficial way, trying to uh, treat real entrenched racial divides in people with something so superficial, like... If you're not going to do reparations, I'm sorry, you're not going to, you you don't care about solving this problem, mm-hmm. this American problem. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't want to give people some land back, we're not going to be having, this is not a discussion then. No, you know, can't you have can't have a discussion. No, you can't apologize your way out of America. I'm sorry, but back to Lupita. <laughs> I've got to say like to play these chari- to play Red and Adelaide with such a history and a backstory and a dependence on each other, um it wasn't until the second or third time I watched it that I fully appreciated Lupita's depiction of Adelaide. Yeah. Because she you don't know that she knows yeah. in the beginning. You don't know that she be knowing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then once you figure out that she does.
2: She she's been in control the whole time.
1: you can you see how that panic plays out on her in particular because the first time around I was like why is this bitch so aloof Uh, and 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 uh, it was uh, not almost seemingly um over the top
2: yeah aloof isn't the word she's nonchalant in certain ways yeah and then and then yeah and then over the top in others yeah there was no in between
1: Yeah. And then watching it the second time, I was really able to appreciate the choices that Mm -hmm. Lupita had made. Um, Did I ever tell you I know her cousin?
2: uh no so oh, wait, one wait, wait. time you did one time I was go staying ahead. with my
1: friend Roy I, I visited my friend Roy he was like at a at his friend's apartment in Fort Green this is after my friend Roy and I had you know kind of grown up in New York together or I, were young thotties in New York <laughs> together and he had come back to New York and was like staying at his friend's place in Fort Green and I go in there and there's this picture of his friend and there's lots of pictures of Lupita in there and I was like man this guy must be like a Lupita super fan and then I realized it was actually Lupita's cousin
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh uh, so shout out to Tavia. That, <laughs> that's cute um i want to read something that um hannah georges wrote in the atlantic about lupita's acting that it said so much better than i ever could so i just wanted to mm-hmm. give this person a big up um And she writes, as the story progresses and peel builds towards a climactic reveal, Adelaide grows more and more defiant. Nyong'o is riotously fun to watch in these moments. She darts across the screen and projects both verbal fury and violent blows. The final face-off between the two characters finds Red and Adelaide dueling in a kind of menacing ballet. Here, Nyong'o is particularly magnificent. She conve- she conveys Adelaide's terror and determination with a pitch per- with pitch perfect jabs. Red's desperation becomes palpable. The stakes are high and the dancing is frantic. This scene effectively condenses the entirety of Black Swan into a single montage.
2: Yeah. That's so, it in a nutshell. Yeah. Um and I highly recommend looking up behind the scenes uh footage of her getting into the role. It's mm. it's really it's it's pretty captivating mm. like mm-hmm. when she does that that voice is it's heavy and she does that
1: yeah and you kind of get after you know after you finish the movie and you go like oh like the the adelaide and red that had switched places or whatever i mean spoiler alert but like this show is all about spoiler alerts um that you understand that she did have the ability to speak when she was a child and mm-hmm. she it's like nobody none of the other um tethered speak and she does because she was originally from the yeah, top world or whatever yeah she's the one yeah and but that is, she's become so out of practice or whatever it's like wheezing and a trauma and all these kinds of stuff and it was creepy it yeah. was very creepy
2: and yeah another, another testament to a great film again every time i go back and watch it i see something mm-hmm. new every single time yeah
1: i watched it on a plane recently cuz it's just like it's up in the air now and it was i was started to notice like the like what 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 Hannah writes about the dancing the dance of the two of them in the end when they have the final confrontation. That,
2: that, it's so amazing. And, and how long it goes on. I really thoroughly enjoyed that.
1: And you get the idea that dancing is one of the things that woke up the original Adelaide mm-hmm. after she had become been put in the tethered place and that like that's a a practice that she had continued because she's so much more limber and Mm -hmm. so much more graceful than like the new adelaide or whatever and you can see that like she has been preparing for this moment for years and years you Mm -hmm.
2: know
1: so lupita lupita you're gonna you're gonna send us you're gonna send us out on season one we love you babe
2: Oh and also she has that movie coming out Little Monsters. I don't it's playing at Beyond Fest premiering here. Okay. And it looks pretty amazing. I mean, okay, I don't know shit about it, but the pictures look amazing. It's
1: another scary movie.
2: It look yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it's scary. All right. Yeah, so we we need to like hopefully season two we can be talking about this
1: absolutely 100%
2: but uh, yeah shout out to Lupita our scream queen our final scream queen
1: thank you so much we loved doing the show we hope you loved it too and if you want us to come back for a season two let us know please
2: please do scream queen is brought to you by Alexandra De Palma and Domino Sound with theme music by Doc Allison I'm Drea Washington and you can find me on Instagram at Hey. Girl hey that's H-E-Y G-R-L H-E-Y and you can find us on Instagram at Scream Queen Podcast. Um, hi, what's
1: up there? I'm Tommy Teebs Pico one final time. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E B S, on all relevant social media. And you can find us on the World Wide Web at ScreamQueenPodcast.com.
2: And in the scary movie of your life, you better Scream, scream Queen. Queen. Bye.
1: See you next season.
2: Peace out.